Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Forty-five minutes, Melvin. I know we got it before fifty. Uh, perfect. Um, hey, if you just turn on this episode, you missed forty-five minutes of content talking uh, about a topic we've mentioned a lot about saying we should talk about. It's kind of like when you go someplace and you see someone you haven't seen in a while, and that person goes, "Hey, we should catch up sometime." And then you go home, and they don't text you, and you don't text them. And that's kind of what we did with this topic. And so we just decided to do it. We decided to talk about movies we either regret seeing or types of movies we regret seeing and why, but also introspection on those films and sort of why, what makes us not comfortable with them or maybe find them useless. Um, you can support on Patreon for $3 a month. You get access to all of the Patreon content. Pretty much every episode at this point since we returned has about 20 to 50 minutes of extra content of a topic. Sometimes it's news related, sometimes it's topical, sometimes it's extended stuff. And in one case, it was just another movie where we talked about Chippendale. But uh, yeah, if you could do that, you get access to that. Support on Patreon to also influence the show at the end of each month. We get to do you get to choose between two movies that we're going to review, usually movies or shows, usually things that were in the zeitgeist at the time or very popular for certain reasons. And uh, it's just stuff we didn't have time for. Uh, but you guys get to decide what we have time for. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, and if we hit certain goals, we'll do other series as well, such as us talking about the uh, dreaded yet also apocryphal God's Not Dead series. I'm like, well, the closer we get to that, the more afraid I am of that. Uh, but I think we'll, Daniel will bring you back to that, Anthony. <laughs> God's, God's Not Dead. I'm probably not yeah. going to <laughs> you, show with, you show up without yeah. watching it. You just got just the like I saw the like trailer. I'm like, nope. I'm not. I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> the other thing where if we reach a certain goal that we want to review is, and this is all thanks to Daniel making one comment that I don't think was serious. But if we reach a certain tier, I think it's 175 or 200 a month. We're gonna talk about the Inhuman show from Marvel. Oh <laughs> yeah, Dan, uh, you, you thought I was kidding uh, when I said I was gonna put it on the Patreon. I got oh, three episodes in and, and I quit on that one. You were so smart. <laughs> <laughs> I watched yeah. all of them. I've seen every piece of MCU content. Um, yeah, <laughs> believe. Yeah, 
Believe it or not, I was not cool in high school. <laughs> so anyways, you can support on Patreon and do that. But more importantly, the discussion we had uh, just now was actually really, really interesting. So just, just support on Patreon for $3 a month and you can just listen to this episode. It's actually really great. Um, and you also heard an additional voice uh, from... A guy named Anthony. He's uh, from my <laughs> church. Well, I guess his church, and I'm it's just not my living. church. It's, it's his church, and I'm just living in it. Amen, and, uh, it's, not my, it's not mine either, <laughs> man. It's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Jesus' that's, church, and we're just right. living I in just it. Just work there. But uh, like I jokingly said in the Patreon section, whoever is the guest has to introduce themselves twice. So uh, you could introduce yourself to someone else if you well, want. Well, you Anne, introduced me the first time. Kind of. I was just like, hi, Anne, and I just said, on? hey. That was it. That was my introduction. <laughs> That's all people need to know. That's right. I'm I'm <laughs> Anthony. Uh, I pastor a church in Philadelphia in Germantown, and I am Melvin's friend, and I enjoy his podcasts. And I haven't seen as many movies. He's I, listened to a whopping three I, I, episodes. Well, brother, I, I think. I've listened to more than that. I haven't. <laughs> That's better yeah, than most I haven't, people. <laughs> I haven't seen as many movies as he has, but I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy him, and I enjoy all his thoughts and musings on. All things film. So, and did you in and uh, quick spoilers for the discussion? But did you enjoy Nope? I did. I, walking out of the theater, someone was we were while well, I was walking out of the theater with the people that that were in there with me. There wasn't many, and I said to someone, "What'd you think?" And she and she said, "I didn't like it." And she said, "What do you think?" I said, "I really enjoyed it." Um, and the more I think about it, the more I the more I enjoy it. So. Mm. That's uh, honestly yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been really sitting yeah. on this movie, but uh, I guess we should just get into it. Dan, do you want to uh, introduce this film for sure. us? Sure. Um, nope is a 2022 American. Uh, it's listed as a science fiction horror film, which I think is pretty close. But it it, it definitely uh, takes from a, quite a few different genres. Uh, is written, directed, and produced by one Jordan Peele, who's quickly carving out. Uh, quite the reputation for himself. Uh, it is from his production company, Monkey Paw Productions. It stars Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya, which I looked that up because I'm notoriously bad at pronouncing names. Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yoon, Michael Wincott, who I was so happy to see. It also features Keith David, which is a welcome surprise. And Oz Perkins shows up in this yeah, movie. Yeah, that, that got a cheer for me. When I saw his name in the opening credits, I was like, yes. And then he's, he's <laughs> on like one scene. But still, yeah. that was really nice to see. Um I love the short plot description that is on things like Rotten Tomatoes, which just says a brother and sister try and get the perfect shot of an unidentified flying object. Uh, but as is often the case with Jordan Peele's films, uh, they're simultaneously extremely straightforward, yet not straightforward at all. It is mostly kind of a science fiction uh, film where two people try and deal with a strange occurrence out in the middle of nowhere as their horses begin to get attacked and local townspeople are affected. However, the movie uh, dips his hands into many, many seemingly unrelated themes and ideas, but I think they all come together quite well. Where we or met Stephen Yoon, a former child actor who was part of a horrible traumatic event on a show called Gordy's Home, if I believe that correctly. Uh, which, for those of you who haven't seen it, you can see the opening title credits for that online right now, uh, where he, which has gone to be something of a creepypasta legend among aficionados. There are things going missing. There is a guy who's helping them out set up cameras around their house to figure out what's happening as Daniel Kaluuya's OJ tries to reconcile both the loss of his father as well as uh, Kiki Palmer's M uh, tries to help get the shot so they can get an Oprah. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it is not at all what people would expect. My theater, I could tell from based on the reaction to the trailers that they're expecting a uh, freaky, scary horror film. And I could f- feel them getting restless as the film kept going and just kept going in weird and weird directions. However, it is equal parts shocking 
and the occasional spurts of violence. But where it really shines is that it's conceptually horrifying as well as engaging. Uh, Jordan Peele's version of an unidentified flying object is one of my favorite recent movie. I guess you'd call it a monster. Um, the way in which it builds tension is great. It's very old school. And at the first two thirds of the movie is mostly just establishing rules, creating the world and helping you get to know the characters so that when the final climax does come, gosh darn it, you do care what happens to every single character. Um, I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, granted, if you listen to our show, you know that Melvin and I watch a lot of superhero stuff. We watch a lot of big budget <laughs> movies. So when something genuinely weird and interesting comes along, it is such a nice change of pace. Um, it is such a nice change of pace and quite a surprise. I enjoyed it seeing it in a theater. I enjoyed hearing people get very horrified at a few scenes. Yes. Um, yeah. It's extremely funny. It's extremely engaging. It's very entertaining. And it is a movie where the more you think about it, the more you like it. Uh, it is a wonderful new addition in Jordan Peele's filmography. And gosh darn it, Jordan Peele loves movies. And you can tell in the types oh, of yeah. movies he makes and what he includes in them. Uh, I really enjoyed Nope. Um I think it's going to be a favorite for a while, uh, but I think I'm going to throw it to Anthony. What did you think of? Oh this my movie? gosh. Uh, so many thoughts. Kiki Palmer was my favorite. Uh, she did an excellent job. <laughs> Stand out. Yes. Yeah. Excellent job. Um, monkey Paul productions. And there was a monkey Paul in the movie. Pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> oh, deep. Um, <laughs> nice. That's the type of insights you can get here. At right. Cinematic Doctor, well, I folks. mean, yes. $5 a page. Please. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's he's yeah, it's I think it plays into part of the point of the film, right? He's a movie maker and he put the name of his production company in the movie. Um, It's cute. Yeah, Um, it's great. Yeah. So much going on. So many different things uh, going on. And yeah, like I said at the beginning, the more I thought about the movie, the more I loved it. Um, I thought this was a good ode to how much he enjoys sci-fi and horror. Saw some Jaws references in there. I don't know if y'all caught the Firefly mm-hmm. Easter egg in there. Uh, some Wizard of Oz re- references with the tornado, obviously. Um, Ooh, what's the What's the Firefly Easter there, egg? It's on. Um, I think it's on somebody's shirt. It's on like some sort of label somewhere. Uh, so there was these little. I just kept noticing all these little nuggets and like thumbs up to different sci-fi uh, movies throughout the film. And that was that was one of them that I caught. You'd have to go back and watch it again, but that that stood out to me. It definitely evokes a lot of material in a way that never is quite distracting, like some yeah. other movies might do, which is mm. very much appreciated. Yeah. Very much yeah, appreciated. Um, I appreciated the just how they how he kind of dealt with grief and how people try to process grief um, throughout the movie. Even the even the fact that um, even the grief of Hollywood kind of forgetting this you know, their, their business, the, the, the horse business that they had established and, you know, them kind of being not relevant anymore mm-hmm. and trying to find their place in the world. That was really interesting. You got to ask me specific questions. Cause this, there's so, there's, there's, <laughs> sure. so, no, totally there's so much about the movie that I so, appreciate Hi, welcome to our podcast. We're going to put you in the middle of a field and tell you to go that way. <laughs> what yeah, did you think? Um, I guess like for me, uh, there's always going to be two main questions that come out of Jordan Peele movies. Uh, first is whether or not we should call them a horror film uh, the second is just, okay, what did you think that was about? Right. Because right. Jordan Peele has yeah. very quickly gained a, re- a reputation as like, oh, but his movies, they're deeper than that. Which I think is kind of weirdly condescending. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with just making a straightforward horror film. It's but the fascination with elevation, elevated horror. Yeah. Um, this idea that every movie post Babadook and It Follows needs to be about mm. something. 
Um, like Babadook, it can't just be scary. It needs to be about dealing with grief and depression. Yeah, it follows can't just be scary. It has to deal with the lack of initiative for humanity after procreation. It's like, no, can we just get back to like scary guy yeah. in house calls me from inside own house? Like that's so much. I want a like, guy in a hockey mask to stab people. Um, yeah, but that's that's, that said, Jordan Peele's movies are in fact about a lot of things. So, uh, so it's not no, unwarranted. It's not unwarranted with his movies at all. Yeah. I, I think it really informs and it also helps the logic of his films too. Cause his, it makes, it made so much sense. We started doing a Twilight Zone show because his movies really work on a nightmare Twilight Zone logic. Yes. Where yes. things just kind of keep progressing. Um, but that said, like, so, um, I guess Anthony slash Melvin, uh, what, what, what did you feel as, ter- as far as the overall kind of themes and the subtext of the film? Cause for me, I, I came away thinking that the monster is kind of like a giant camera. Um, that like takes the, that takes, um, uh, things and really like the more you focus on it, the more, the worse it gets sort of thing. And that's kind of sort of what a lot of people were talking about afterwards. I was looking it up and seeing yeah. thoughts and feelings in the film. There's definitely a lot of themes about exploitation and just the way we treat, um, disasters. Yeah. But so, Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Hey, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out CinematicDoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine, you know this already. Right, 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 yeah, I I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right. Each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later. Anthony first, and then I guess Melvin can jump in. But like, what 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 did you think about in terms of what the movie is going? Yeah, for? so I, you know, obviously the, he's giving a commentary on Hollywood and the entertainment industry. So I even thought about the the monster at the that's spitting things out that it can't use right anymore they're no like he spits out all the metal mm. and all the 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 things that are not you know the non-organic material that are, it's not useful to it um it which is you know that's what that's what the entertainment industry does right so you're not you're no longer relevant i can't have no more use for you um and you're kind of you're kind of disposed of um so i thought of i thought uh, on top of all the other things he's doing with 
uh, our obsession with spectacle and um, things that we, you know, things that we are probably pretty dangerous that we shouldn't look at maybe that are, that, that are, you know, that are, but that are also pretty fascinating was in there. But I thought, yeah, commentary on Hollywood, um, you know, obviously they're making a movie. Uh, and so when I think of the monster, that's one of the things I thought of um, e- even also the, the idea of, you know, trying to control things uh, that you, that you can't, um, you know, so the, the fact that there's this running theme of, you know, what do we, how do we subdue and control animals, um, that are not meant to be necessarily controlled or domesticated. Right. So there's, you know, the, I can't remember one of the, one of the horses mm-hmm. names, the dad in the movie is like, oh, he's out there being all territorial. Right. And they're trying to tame it and he can't be tamed. The monkey who, di- who rips apart the, the yeah, Gordy. yeah, Gordy rips apart the entire cast, Gordy. say for two people, um, they've tried to domesticate this animal and make him fun and loving. It's like, he's not, and you can't. Um, so even the things that we do for entertainment at the expense of, of even animals, um, you know, I think he was also, he's also playing on, I think, what was the monkey's name um, in real life? Was it Tr- Terry? Ooh, I the one that ripped yeah, up that yeah, woman's yeah, face. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I had the same thought. Well, and she yeah. when she does the interview, um, I think she did the interview with Katie Couric. She did the interview, and she's wearing the veil, and the veil that she's is yep. the, almost the exact same thing that she's wearing that the that character is wearing in the movie. Um, so yeah, so many layers in terms of yeah, our, uh, what what Hollywood is, and you know how it kind of disposes of people, how we're addicted to things that. Uh, are beyond us things like you know, things that we just want to capture that are that are grandiose and spectacular and and how we can't look away even though we probably should um addiction to spectacle well, yeah addiction to mm. spectacle so i even think of you know I've, i preached this yesterday right exodus 19 so you know <laughs> the mountain is quaking and there's lightning and there's fire uh and the lord says tell them not to come near don't let them rush through you know th- if they break through they'll die <laughs> So it, 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 yeah, you, yeah. you, which what I think you're, they're seeing many things there, but one of the things I think you're seeing is there's this grandiose spectacle that is frightening, but it's also attractive. Um, and if they go any closer, it's, it's going to be really dangerous for them. Like don't, don't come too close. Uh, and that's in the movie. Yeah. That's how you get eaten by the animal, right? You look it in the eye. And the only reason that um, <laughs> yeah. right. that the main character doesn't get eaten is because he respect he respects it. He learns how to respect it. Mm. Yeah, I I found yeah. um I was was very eager to write my thoughts on this one on Letterboxd uh, after seeing it, just because that's kind of what Jordan Peele does to you. Um, I think we'd be remiss not to mention a tweet that kind of exploded that was also very silly and eye rolly, but also not totally off kilter um just a little misguided uh dan i think you saw this where a guy basically was just like can we just finally consider jordan peele the best horror director who else has gotten three horror movies in a row and made excellent stuff and then jordan peele tweets back like i think it's time to put the phone down (laughs) because it's like there are plenty of horror directors that have clearly made three movies in a row three movies (laughs) yeah Like, like, come on, especially with all of his movies being very um, evocative of other stuff. It's like, okay, he's obviously being influenced by other people. I mean, in our chat group, we were just name dropping other directors like crazy. So that's just that um, tweets from someone who probably just hasn't seen enough, right? 
which is fair. Yeah, yeah. but it's also funny. Upon seeing like, his third horror film, he's like, "Man, these yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> he is wow, the this whole genre is the greatest. <laughs> it's really, it's endearing, but also it's like not wrong to say like he isn't one of the consistent greats because he's made three very, very accessible, balanced." fun to engage movies both in the legitimate experience of the two hour uh, watch time or and i think 90 minutes in both us and uh get out they're not that long um but also garner discussion on your drive home or for the weeks after you don't have to watch a pandas cosmatos movie that's just obscenely artistic and very hard to grapple with and to to be spurred on to really interesting discussion that's both relevant and timely and interesting uh jordan peele consistently seems to to produce really good content um and that's probably also benefited by his time in comedy because i will say i like his horror stuff better than his comedy i've found and maybe it's because i like things like tim and eric that are a lot more crazy but like i i often have found that uh key and peel the jokes go too long um Mm -hmm. and in in horror they can't go too long because a person who has died is not going to be alive long enough to make the joke too long. Yeah. And so in the case of his horror, I find he is more stronger and, and nope continues that. But uh, my, my initial point was kind of how I wrote about it. And I was just kind of meditating on two things. One is that this, I feel like is his least easy to parse film. I think yeah. get out is very obvious. Um, and I think us is equally as obvious if you've seen movies if you haven't us can be a lot more confusing but also us every eight minutes is another scene with 11 11 <laughs> like somewhere in the background mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something going on um he even uh i think the original historical event of the people doing the um hands-to-hand thing across the world wasn't from like the two towers to like something somewhere on the west i forget where it was just from coast to coast but he yeah. switched it to be 11 11 again um whereas nope it's like it actually is it, it took me until maybe the last 40 minutes i actually probably till the gordy scene um the <laughs> crazy middle of this movie which we'll talk about at length at some point but the the middle of this it, it took until that point before i was like i think i'm starting to to catch up on what jordan peele's trying to talk about it's not just a very excellent paranormal slash not paranormal i guess but science fiction thriller um, where I was kind of thinking about how light passing through the eyes, which is how you see, is a physical thing. So it's just as physical as touch now that we understand how light works and how the eye works and how the pupil works. And so when you see things, you are feeling them. And just like any of your other senses, they incur emotion or thought in you and you react to them. And a lot of the film is uh, about what you see and what you take in and whether and how you're going to respect the things you feel um both through sight and i guess you could argue physical touch as well because it's, you don't just go around touching people like and i'm not even <laughs> saying appropriately i just mean like shoulders and sides or their back like it's just something you don't do you have to respect space um you, you have to respect a, an unseen bubble that's honestly really difficult for certain people to gauge if they've never grown up learning manners and so um this idea that like the things you try to capture on film or things you want to put in front of the camera being dangerous in the end or misguided and ultimately still interesting 
Um, I'm going to say something controversial yet brave, but when you are nude with your spouse, it's nice, but capturing it on camera may not be very helpful. (laughs) And Mm. it becomes something more disrespectful the way you display these things or engage these things. And so I think nope is a lot of different aspects of how to engage things in the real world, both in the way they respect animals. Uh, My wife said that she saw online, that's that's quite the line, so it's not even my wife's idea, nor mine. But she said people were talking about how Gordy is the only animal in the movie that seems to have a human name, whereas all the other ones are Mm. named after like things (laughs) or objects. And so there's even this naming convention of, of treating animals like they're the same when they're not. And you wouldn't even say the same about people. And so why are we doing this with creatures? Um, and to that end, the, the, the one thing I really, I didn't mention this in our Patreon thing, but something I hate in movies is the mistreatment of animals. And I, I, even to the point of plants, I don't like when people buy plants just to like, let them die, like be responsible. And so like, there's a scene of between two ferns where somebody runs over a fern and that genuinely upset me. I have such a soft heart. I know, (laughs) but, um, but like in older movies, like even one of my favorites, Friday the 13th, part six, um, a joke that's played in the movie is a character gets killed and then you see them like thrown out a window and put back in. And then a hard cuts to someone crushing a bug. And the, the, the idea is that, oh, it upsets you that the bug get crushed, but not the, the person in the film. It's like, well, the person's fake, but you actually killed a bug on set. Like that's not cool. And I know that there's some films that have the idea of they get sick animals, like sick bugs, and then they'll use them for killing, but they don't do that really anymore at all in movies ever. But a lot of older films can do that. And uh, that's pretty upsetting uh, to me. And I find that that's uh, heading into a type of worship. The fact that you would kill something on screen for the sake of art. Um, Like there's plenty of movies. You can find lists of it online that are just movies where animal dies in it. And you'd be remiss to realize that uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is on that list. But um, yeah, an animal, so I, I an find, animal died in that movie, a real animal. Uh, I don't know if it was killed for the movie or if it was footage of killing on a farm. But when they're going through uh, the tunnel, the tunnel, yeah, the yeah flash yeah, on the yeah, screen yeah, is yeah. a chicken's getting its head yeah, cut off. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's just so bizarre. I, it's a great movie and it's a really wonderful, beautiful film. But it's like part of, and part of the scene is uh, advanced by that. But I've never wanted to look up the history of that scene to know if it was just stock footage of someone on a farm because then it would be different. That would functionally be a different reality than like we killed a chicken just to make a atmospheric scene um which is of course why i feel different about violence in movies because it's fake it's not real um so for nope that's kind of how i've processed it uh both afterward and now um i i know there's a lot of meditation now on like how the camera itself is used how the creature looks like a camera um but before i continue with both the most uh, uh, horrific scenes in the middle of the movie or uh, even the ending of the film. Uh, that's kind of, that's kind of how I processed. Nope. So Dan, since you seem to be the one asking the questions, what, what do you got for us next? What's going on? Oh, <laughs> I am the host of this show after all. Um, <laughs> no, like, the, there is going to be quite a bit of discourse around the, around the movie, obviously. Um, but before we get into um the digging deeper into some of the themes. Also, I, I do want to talk extensively about um, the creature itself, which I was not surprised to hear that Jordan Peele drew inspiration from neon Genesis Evangelion. 
uh, for the creatures. I design. did not know that. Now you said it. I completely see right. it as an angel. It's, it's oh my gosh, there. he's making a Neon Genesis movie. <laughs> it's it's all there. I'm, oh, and that goes in line with his Akira um, bike slide. Yes, he does the Akira he bike does slide. The Akira bike slide, which immediately I was like, yeah, yep, <laughs> I've never seen that dope. in a movie. <laughs> I love when people do that. Uh, yeah. Even the Simpsons. Uh, but um, <laughs> I just I do want to mention that the acting across the board is terrific. Particularly, I love. Uh, uh, OJ, I love Dana Kaluuya's performance as this unflappable, very like matter of fact person who's just constantly more seems more annoyed than scared of what's happening to him half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's work, he works with animals, not he, people, and so yes, like right. the that's people right. are the annoyance is the animal he can deal that's with. That's right. The know? animals so make the animals make sense to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. The yeah, animals yeah. have clear rules and parameters, and and uh, and and then versus... his sister's going crazy living in a trailer. What's going on? Yeah. Come on, girl. <laughs> his sister, who's much more charismatic and likable than him, but really relies on him for help. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Steven Yoon is just constantly great in everything he's in, and so Excellent. I thought. Yeah. He, he got out of, of Walking Dead right at the right time. <laughs> he, he man, he knew when to get out of there. Um, yes, his whole head gets smashed in. But um, he adds a lot of pathos and, and sympathy to a character that otherwise might be very disposable in the film. It plays very interestingly into the overall theme of the movie. Where uh, my wife pointed out, who I saw this with that, like, oh, he thought because he he thought he had a connection with Gordy, he assumed that he had the same connection with this creature. Oh, I didn't uh, think about he, that. That's which good. he does not, in fact, have the same connection. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But do overall, th- I, do you think he has? A, he feels like he has a connection with the creature, or he's just using it to make to exploit it. I think it's both. Um, for me, I think like one interesting thing here is we see like like he he. I think he puts up a front, and this is my interpretation. I'm not saying it's great, but he puts up. He has that whole song and dance where he shows them his secret room where he has all the memorabilia, right? Including like he's the shoe that was like standing up. He has. Uh, footage playing all that stuff and so he's putting up his front of like oh yeah this crazy thing he's making money off of it but there's all these quiet moments where he seems yes. unconfident and yeah um, mm-hmm. kind of nervous even though he even though he's an actor he's nervous about doing his whole like memorized routine uh so i think secretly it's his way of trying to cope with what happened to him and right. exert control over the situation uh which i think extends to where like and I, I, there's an odd amount of like spiritualist things in here. He opens the film with the Bible verse, and um, I, my first thought was just like the us. creature looks like a biblical angel. It at the did. End of the film it did. Um, yeah. Which, at the right? end, like, I was like, oh snap! That's that was <laughs> I was genuinely in awe of this thing. Like I'm an Isaiah. <laughs> it's a beautiful yeah. creature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My wife said it looks. She assumed because she thought there was a running theme of like of ocean and stuff, so she thought it just looked like an ocean creature. Which it also I does. thought it looked like film. It looked like film reel. It, oh. uh, that, uh, it, so that's I I made that connection because it like the way he sucks things up looks exactly like. Um, a lens, he, the, the lens, well, yeah, which he draws thought. attention to at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the right. end of the, um, it looks like the yeah the, the the lens of a camera. That's what I thought. Yeah, so which yeah. is good. It's I a like lot that. of things. Alter- it's a it's an inspired design. I think if there's one thing yeah. that will sort of continue after this film, it's we will all look back and be like, that was an awesome version of a UFO. Yes. Um, which uh, but uh, so, so kind of to my question is like, did you find this film to be like scary? Um, because. I have not found any of Jordan Peele's films to be scary, quote unquote. I have found them all to be unsettling in some way. And I, there's a particular sequence in the film. There's two that's, that are going to get audience. That are back to back. Those two yes. scenes are back. to So you don't get any breathing room. It's it is. It's yeah, it's <laughs> it's great. Um, but like, us, so did you find frightening? I'm sorry. You thought. Us, uh, really? us, <laughs> OK, um, yeah, that there were scenes in that movie was like, I need to. I need to look away. I can't. <laughs> this is scary. 
what, what, what did you find frightening about us? The, oh, no, I can't remember. Is it, is it Lupita? Um, is the main Lupita character? Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, in, in that. Yeah. And her, her role, especially towards the, the, the set, the, the third, uh, portion of that movie, like, um, the latter half of the movie, um, yeah, she just, the way she turns her head, the, I, everything <laughs> about her, was it her doppelganger? <laughs> freaked me out. She's so awesome in that movie. (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, as far as this film goes, because it starts off, it's much more comedic than his other films are, um, which I think is the movie strength as things goes on. Uh, But did you find yourself getting tense or worried or uh, is the movie listening anxiety Uh, from you? uh, Yeah. So I think this, you know, I think we talked about this earlier, the comedy and horror kind of being the same. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, both of them evoking an uncontrollable emotion. I thought there was this, there was one scene in the movie that was the scariest and the funniest for me, which is the, Oh, al- okay. So both, which one? Yeah. 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 The aliens in the stable. Oh, oh that so was like, great. So, so when it, when it, when the scene, Oh, when, you know, when it starts, you look and you're like, is that, is something over there? Like, what is that? So, you know, already I'm kind of unsettled. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. it cuts again and you see it stand up. I'm like, oh, snap. And, you know, the way it's moving towards him is really freaky. It kind of, you know, I was, it's just really, it, it caused anxiety. I'm like, what's going to happen? Yes. And then he, and then he punches it in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a great <laughs> payoff. Was, oh, it was so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. This yeah, is wrote- a th- the third great movie where kids get punched in the face. Well, I got to add this to my list. I have a little X list for this. It, it, <laughs> it reminds me, it made me laugh because there's this, there's this uh, YouTube montage of all these, these different clips of like what happens when you scare black people. Um, so like, <laughs> yes. So the, dude, the, the guy jumps up out of a trash can to scare his friend yep. and the dude just punches him in the face, right? There's so scared somebody on Halloween. He gets punched in the face. <laughs> so, yeah. It made me laugh. Yeah, and scared him at the same time. So. It was a good scene. I, I think he, I was because even in the moment, I was thinking, man, he's so paid. Because Jordan Peele is a very patient director. I find mm. I think he knows how to, and this is part of comedy too. But pushing back the release of tension is is part of what makes horror so good. Yeah. It's also like because some some scenes are so horrific that the release of tension is when it ends, which is he uses in this movie too. Um, but in that scene. The, even the choice to have the one kid, which the kid would never do. Kids would not do this. But the fact that he's directed to slowly lean over the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, hurry come on, up. Come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, because he doesn't know it's going to come behind him. It's like, but then, of course, it's nothing. But it was a, that was a great scene. I really like that. It's, um, it's part of a sequence where there's multiple <laughs> fake outs in a row. Yes. And uh, which for me, it was like, okay, he's building up to something. Mm-hmm. Um which he kind of is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think he was doing crowd pleasing stuff. I think because he, the movie takes a while to get going. Um, and also two, there's two trailers for this movie. One that kind of pushes more the horror of it, like trying to push it as a horror movie. And then there's a new, newer trailer after it that just shows the UFO a lot, but they build it up like it's an adventure movie. So when that second trailer came on, Catherine was in the bathroom. She comes into the theater. I think this is when we were seeing Jurassic World. And I go, thank goodness you weren't in the theater. That trailer spoiled everything. Also, I'm more confused about the movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, it made like, it. Oh, is this his Tremors? Is he making like a Tremors movie? Yeah, basically? yeah. Tremors in, in the sky where it's yeah. more fun. And it's tense, but it's not a horror movie where the first trailer made it more like a UFO horror movie. And 
then the movie starts and it really is a mix of genre, but it's much yeah. more of a even paced measured horror yeah. experience as opposed to like a horror flick where you open with your kill and then you every I think it's what is it every 12 minutes or eight minutes you have another kill and stuff like mm-hmm. that because the movie right. I think it's like uh, I'm looking at it 131 minutes it's two hours and 10 minutes is long if it's a horror movie that's for sure right but as right. this weird mixture of movies it's the perfect length like it flew by really well I was really enjoying the experience as it kept going. So just talking about pacing and he then of course has the middle of the film, which I think succeeds and give everybody, everybody the experience that you want in a horror movie, which is the dread, the just miserable, sickening upset dread, which um, for, I guess we can, we can get, well, Dan, for you, before we get into the middle, what, what, what wasn't scary about this? Like, what did you oh, um, have any horror emotions or so no, it wasn't I, scary, but I upsetting, just consi- or? consistently impressed um, by the, so like everything that's horrific in the film is something that where he previously establishes something and then he just completely turns it on its head. Um, so, or it pays off in a way that's more than you expected. So the two things that are really horrific in the film are he actually shows from Stephen Yoon's perspective, the Gordy incident um, where you see this creature like beat to death to adults. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because like up to that point, there really hasn't been any particular gore or violence in the film. So it actually is more effective because he's been so restrained when he just has a scene of unrestrained violence. Um, it's just a million times more effective than if the movie had been just like a slasher film. He uses screams really well. Um, yes. He doesn't use stock screaming. He actually just tells his actor probably like, I don't, something horrific imagine your wife being stabbed yeah or something and then they just scream, scream like, like a that. scream like a gordy is breeding to death that's how <laughs> well, you that, scream. Yeah. that scene was yeah. horrific because it he took so much time with it it yeah. was yeah it was yeah. so slow there's no music you think it's gonna end yeah it, it was it's it's a masterful little piece in the middle of what is otherwise up to that point was a pretty like just enjoyable kind of like science fictiony kind of movie um, and then the follow-up is that then this gives sort of context to Stephen Yeun's um, whole song and dance, which revealed that he knows the UFO is there and he's been the horses have been disappearing. He's specifically been taking them to give to the UFO, which right. is already kind of a sad idea. Um, you see the his the other child actor who's like with the veil, who is then we do see a bit of like her face now it's been horribly scarred. Mm. Um, and all the things in the movie, like the fact that um, the the tassels were taken from that fake horse. The fact that you've been hearing these noises and sounds, um, all of that is given full context, which is this one UFO has been taking them and now has finally like become more upset. And just all these women and children, like specifically Jordan <laughs> Peele has no yes. reservations about its old people, children, <laughs> yes. Stephen Yoon's children, like yeah. all of them yeah. are His wife. horribly dead. <laughs> His wife, who's been so supportive of him and really believes in him. Like, again, like, because he's taking his time to create characters that you actually like. Um, and it's the other added benefit is I <laughs> uh, got cameo on the show here. Uh, the, the other, <laughs> Sorry, guys. The that's my daughter. Is, oh, hey, no, that's no, totally no. fine. Hi, Did daughter. you see Nope? <laughs> did you see it? <laughs> they can't. They can't you, she can't hear anything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about Gordy? <laughs> um, ask your dad for one. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, I think also like, again, like just little things like, I don't know if he found an old abandoned like amusement park or if they just built that set for Steven Yeun's park, but it's like a real location that changes throughout the movie. Same thing with their house. Like, I think it's a backlot set because okay. at the end of the movie, if you say towards the end of the credits, 
they actually do a because I think this is a Universal movie. They have a um, a a really nice postcard looking thing that says like "Come visit the backlot set for a nope," and it's that oh, um, entire okay. thing. I didn't see through credits, unfortunately. So, I didn't. Yeah. I assumed that like Nick Fury wouldn't show up to recruit the alien monster. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's like eh, to fight we'll Kang the that. Conqueror. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so the, the, these are real locations that change and morph as time goes on, which gives yes. kind of like. Um, because it's like you just feel that things developing and getting worse and worse. Uh, uh, so like, yeah, I found it. Uh, yeah, I found it troubling in the sense that there's also a brief scene where you see the people getting like digested. Di- basically. The, yeah. the, the digestion <laughs> crazy. is what's being called. It's um, great. It's really good. But to, to get into sort of the creature itself, which I think is just is a magnificent creation. Um, which when you contrast it with the opening from Nahum three verse six, I will cast a, abominable filth upon you make you vile and make you a spectacle um and also this movie is being written during the pandemic of 2020 where jordan peele is at home i assume he was just watching the news just getting tired of seeing all the hor- uh, horrific footage of people dying of covid and all that so there is this running idea of spectacle um and so i guess like what do you what do you get what do you, what do you get out of jordan peele's sort of meditation on the concept of spectacle um, and the fact that there's very clear religious allusions here, like he is specifically drawing upon the biblical design of an angel. Um, even if you just quickly go to the Wikipedia section uh, for the movie, there's brief discussion about that, whether or not he's implying that these are creatures that have existed forever. And that's why biblical depictions of, of angels are this because ancient civilizations maybe had contact with these creatures and they assumed it was a religious experience. But um, I guess what, what is your sort of feeling on both, what Jordan Peele is saying about the concept of spectacle, our relation to it, the fact we just can't look away and that's why it destroys us um, and how it ties into even some religious themes potentially. Go ahead, Melvin. Well, for me, it makes me have to go to the bathroom. So take it away. (laughs) Speaking of going to the bathroom. uh, So, you know, you quote the verse in Nahum, Nahum, right? Um, What I found throughout the movie is that they are doing that to the creature, right? Uh, So they're, Mm. they're spewing, they're giving him things that he can't use, right? So when that's how they kill it, right? Yeah, the stuff yeah. that he can't he can't do anything with that. It's filthy to him. And then he's doing that to them as well, right? So, you know, the scene mm. in the movie where he basically just Interesting. he basically just, he, he he relieves himself on the house. Um <laughs> I think I thought that's what he was doing. So like when it's raining on the house and he's over top of the house and he's yeah. spewing all that blood and uh and the people are screaming over top. I was like, yo, he's He's marking his territory, um, mm. possibly, and he's also he's also uh, because of their obsession with spectacle and their mistreatment of him. Um, he's turning it back on them. He's turning it back on their head. So it, it even has a, you know, um, I talked about this in the beginning, right? The the fact that they're obsessed with the 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 spectacle of this animal, um, and it it coming back to harm them in a way I think is, is something that he highlighted really well. And the, yeah, the creature is, it's almost like he's punishing them for exploiting him or for, you know, kind of gawking at him or treating him like mm-hmm. an object when he's a living being. Yeah. That's a really good. Yeah. I didn't even think, I didn't even think about that the idea. It's like Mark, he's marking his territory because in yeah. theory, if they just left it alone, <laughs> we, no one exactly. would think even exists, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, I had some, I, I had very similar feelings on that. Where it's, it's this, um, it's, it both beckons to be looked at because it is, it's an incredible looking thing. Like, there's a level mm-hmm. where you can't fault them for wanting to stare at it because it's swallowing up horses and people. It is yeah. a genuinely awe-inspiring looking creature. 
Um, so like you, you can't, there's a part of you that can't help but to look at it, but as you look yeah. at it, it does stare back at you. And I wonder if this was kind of his rumination on disaster as, as society was being consumed by a pandemic, or if there's a level where perhaps if we had, uh, not looked at it, but as the brother and sister here do look at each other for a second, like that probably would have helped them get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot there that I found kind of interesting. Like, but like I I don't know how I reconcile that with the fact that their entire plot is to capture it on film uh, to prove his existence. I'm not really sure about um, how that co- sort of coheres with. The yeah, theme, I, I mean, yeah, I had the same question too. Yeah, I think um, on your meditation on the Nahum passage with the events itself, it kind of goes in line with just um, not even specifically covenantal. Uh, people type rhetoric where um, God saves you. Now I'm making a covenant with you because of what I've done. And if you continue to honor me, then I prosper you. But if you choose to turn your back on me, I will go against you, which arguably is a sense of respect and like um, uh, a mutual sense of reverence for one another. Mm. Although it's one might find that inappropriate for me to say that God is revering his people. But I think there's a sense in which he's respecting his people by loving and caring for them and arguably by going against them occasionally. But the idea that like, um, if, if this is his territory of which all of creation is God's territory and you're not respecting all of what's God's, which are each other, your own existence and body or, uh, other creatures and creations and stuff like that, that then God rejects you and pushes against you in that sense. Now I'm using kind of just flippant words to explain meditations on Jordan Peele's Nope released 2022 um, in describing some thoughts and ideas about God. So if you want to analyze me theologically, then go for it. But that's not, I don't know if this is the place for that because I have more nuanced opinions on those particular things, but I, I think in terms of what he's trying to draw on and some imagery that might be the case now, apart from biblical stuff. Yeah. Talking about written during 2020 and sort of just the chaos of all of us being online in, in and almost like culturally engaging the same media. Um, whereas like for the longest time, you had people, everybody, the, the reason the Beatles were able to be so popular is because that's what was playing on the two radio stations you had in your area or TV stations in your area. But now I have Spotify and an own individual algorithm that provides music for me if I'm not just exploring myself, which even then I think my searches are still curated by an algorithm. So mm-hmm. what is free will? But um, during COVID, it was like this vertex of all of social western social engagement that turned into engaging the same three stories every week and it would just Mm -hmm. get worse and worse and so this idea of like i've had conversations with people even post roe v wade where like a friend of mine is like constantly talking about it i'm like do you ever do anything else he's like well i have to keep up with it it's like do you like i and that's not even getting into that topic but it's more just like there's other things in your life going on that like maybe are worth investing time in and that might be more beneficial for you spiritually. Um, and this is someone who coming from somebody who reads the news a lot, enjoys it. I have other news podcasts that I listen to more so than entertainment podcasts. And so like I get the draw and the spectacle, but it really requires filter and it really requires, um, lens a lens to view it like 
they don't test this out in the movie. Maybe they do, but like, does anyone use a mirror to look around a corner to look at the creature? And does that mean that it's not the same at looking at, cre- at the creature so you can treat it differently? Like that's not explored, but that sense of filtration when engaging stuff before taking it in entirely and the risk that it might have to you. I feel like he kind of explores through Nope. And uh, I think the fact that he includes scenes like the Gordy scene and then the digestion scene to essentially put that to the test and say, okay, here's some horror. How do you feel about it? Mm -hmm. Um, Is really expert. Because for me, like those scenes are happening. The Gordy scene, yeah, excellent, really horrifying, terrifying. And then he barely gives you breathing room to essentially cause the same disaster again. And in a very artsy way, his wide shots as they're flying into the creature is really just terrifying. The fact that every person that gets sucked into it loses all sense of identity and just becomes a silhouette sucked into this creature, which at the time you don't know is a creature. You're just like, what is going on? Are they just like, is this fuel for this? Like these creatures? And then like seeing them stuck inside and just the screams and stuff is almost putting to the test. How do you feel about seeing this? How do you feel about witnessing this? And We've talked about how fiction and film allows you to participate in the experience of emotions you would otherwise consider bad, which is part of part of our discussion on Doctor Strange is like a lot of people who probably have never experienced bad in the movie theater before experience bad, quote unquote, because it's not bad to feel sick. Um, You didn't morally cause something bad because you feel a little upset. But um, that experience i think expertly ties the film together because he doesn't do that again the rest of the movie is never as horrific as the digestion mm-hmm. i guess you could say that the uh the um des- uh defecation scene as you were kind of describing ant where he's like spewing out on the house could be considered horrific but that's more psychological and just an awesome awesome visual but yeah um yeah i think that's that i i really think his film uh, in his in his thesis climaxes with the digestion and displaying like mm. do you really want to see this which mm. for me yes that's that's why i went i wanted to see some scary stuff and i got it and also i wanted to engage it more um elevated so to speak but uh what do you what do you guys think about that what what with um his his sense and perspective of spectacle culminating in the digestion and and gordy scenes yeah i i think you i think you raise a good point man um you know it makes me even think of I, I don't know why I thought of this. The, just the show Cops, like you know, and oh my gosh, yes, you're watching. Wh- <laughs> I think why, I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. you are tuning in to watch people, you know, be police brutality yeah, to be brutalized. <laughs> like, yeah, and we like it. We want to see it. You know, it's uh, what is we all know for, the song. Yeah, if it bleeds, yeah, if it if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, I thought of the movie yes. Nightcrawler yeah, with Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal. Uh, Nightcrawler, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So very good. Yeah, he's 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 doing he's doing the same thing I, I didn't even think about it like that like him question asking us do you, do you really want to look at this um no but but i do i do yes uh, yeah 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 it's the whole like uh driving by a car accident which i do not look at that is too real that's a real event i don't want to yeah. look at that but like you you're looking through with like uh open fingers as you're covering yeah. your face kind of thing yeah um so, which is probably part of the draw of why we watch movies in general sometimes is we want to see stuff we haven't seen and, and film creates a safe space for that at times. Um, but that yeah. becomes different when it's scary. The, probably my favorite line in the movie, right? The, uh, it's the, who played the, the filmmaker, the cameraman who was, oh, who's Michael the, Wincott. Yeah. Michael Wincott. Yeah, his line the in the movie, guy. it's, it's a dream you, you, the dream you don't wake up from, which is a movie. Um, 
you know, yeah. you, you go to see things that you couldn't see elsewhere, uh, uh, like you would in a dream. Um, you know, mm. yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. And he spends I, I, all of his time watching old video or film tapes of like animals fighting <laughs> each other. Cause just in his editing studio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just yeah. editing it up. Which is um, why filming the animal makes, it makes, makes sense for him. Right. Makes sense. And right. shows a, um, a, uh, sense of boundaries. That's a little strange because were those films of like animals pitted against each other, right. like purposefully just to fight Who each knows? other, which is like mm. pretty sickening, yeah. right? To think about, or as these actual things they caught out in the wilderness. Yeah, um, I, it's really. Interesting. I, I fully expect that in a couple of weeks there's going to be hot takes online. People being like, "Whose wide nope is overrated?" or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, typical. I, just, yeah. I can't wait. But I will say that regardless of whether or not you think Jordan Peele is always 100 successful, um, there is an ambition and joy in the movies he's made so far and i'm looking always look forward to what he's gonna make next um where it's conceptually interesting like even if every piece of the movie doesn't quite come together for you or you find stretches of it to be either self-indulgent or a little dull like it's so interesting to look at and like the ways in which he's trying to explore these themes and ideas are so um intriguing and they come from a real place of passion like you don't make a plot point um you don't make the horse in motion thing a plot point in your movie. unless so you just really like movies for some reason, you know, um, that comes from a place of genuine love for the craft itself. And so like, I just think like, I fear that people might either overanalyze it or like really miss the forest of the trees, which is like, this is at its core still an engaging and fun, uh, science fiction creature feature type movie with mm-hmm. one heck of a creature at the core. And I just, I, I just gotta say, like, I was just so I just had so much fun watching this in the theater. Yeah, um, hearing really my audience cool. react to it, like, just the joy of like not really knowing what was going to happen next. Like, my wife went in completely blind, didn't even didn't see any trailers, only knew this was a new Jordan Peele movie called Nope, and so which I think is the best way to see the movie, where you're just constantly just like, okay, like, what is where is he going with this? What is going to happen next? And I just found the whole experience to be so um, enthralling and enjoyable. Um, so I just. Yeah, I really liked the movie quite a bit, and I'm going to be ruminating on it over and over again. I've been sitting here reading the Wikipedia page for the <laughs> angel creatures in Neon Genesis Evangelion now, uh, which I must admit, I've never finished it. I really? And I never oh, finished man. it because I bought three DVDs from my yard sale, and I watched all three of them, and then I didn't have the other one. So um, <laughs> It's on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix. I kind of watch it. But like, it's pretty good. The fact Jordan Peele is drawing from Neon Genesis Evangelion, that's just awesome. Yes. <laughs> that's something yeah, that's that you don't get from every movie you see. Um, I don't know if you guys had anything else about the film you would like to discuss. I think we've fully established that we liked it a lot and everyone should go see it for themselves. And if you think we're wrong, please tweet at us at <laughs> Cinemacin Doctrine. Tweet specifically at Anthony and we'll provide his <laughs> Twitter so you can. Yeah. <laughs> if you tweet me, I probably won't tweet, but I haven't been on Twitter in such a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the one thing I, I was most interested in about Nope when stepping away from it was the death of the creature at the end. Um, it's almost exactly, it's like poetry, it rhymes, George Lucas is everywhere, um, where the creature dies in a way that's just extremely sad, just like how Gordy didn't really deserve to die. Or Gordy, in a way, earned its death by killing a bunch of people. And <laughs> Double so, homicide, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. Um, that's not a good thing. But um, but it in when you view the whole broad picture of it, you recognize that Gordy's death is due to the folly of man. And the same is essentially true of the, this beautiful creature um, that is the UFO that puts itself on full display, is really just 
living um, and eating, and that's it. And essentially dies with a bang at the end. And I liked that it was a quiet scene that for me, the second it died, I did not feel triumphant. I actually just felt like the hubris of man again just yeah. killed this creature. That's now I don't I've, think that's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I don't think this movie is being it, it's not like a um like I just finished The Hills Have Eyes. I had never seen it last night. And the movie essentially has two endings. There's one that's like hopeful, and then there's the ending that is the theatrical cut that kind of just culminates with the, the the two families essentially becoming like the same, although not cannibals. But still, the the artistic uh, merit of the film is displaying that the same. And I don't think Nope is ending with going like uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer. They're just like the film studio that kills Gordy. Right. I don't really think that. <laughs> I think the degrees are quite different. This UFO is massive. This thing eats people like a child crushes ants. It has really no sense or care about it, which for me is another reason why the scene is so disgusting is because I always find that conceptually really grotesque. Um, but the scene itself still, I think, has a sense of reverence which the film has built you up to having as opposed to the spectacle that the film initially builds you into. Um, because that's why we went to see the movie. We went to see it for spectacle, but then the film really dares you to think more about it. Um, and I just, uh, I wondered if the two, well, and you, you shared that you did, but, uh, if the two of you guys also felt the same, that the, the death of the creature at the end is also expected to be more, I don't know, triumphant, sad or triumphant yeah. or melancholy. Yeah. Which, which one do you kind of land on? Uh, I think it's, I was sad at the end, which I think, you know, that's what he's going for. I think is you, he kind of draws you in. Once you realize, once you realize it's a living being, you think differently mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I was, I, I was, I was more melancholy at the end. I was happy, but I was melancholy. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, they're not going to die. <laughs> but also, Oh man, they uh <laughs> this thing was beautiful. How about you, Dan? Uh you definitely get the sense that it shouldn't have happened. Like there there's no reason for these events to really unfold in a sense where if everyone had left everyone else alone, that would just mm-hmm. be you wouldn't have much of a movie in that case. Obviously it'd just be a movie about Daniel Kalua like with horses. But um <laughs> it's it you get the sense that like this was not <laughs> supposed to be how it how it is, but it is kind of the reality to live in where um Everyone kind of ended up in this position purely by sad happenstance. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like there is something you said where um, it's triumphant in the sense that you feel very good for the characters. Like the fact she gets that shot at the end um, is really great. And the fact that you can read the ending as um, Daniel, uh, as OJ survived because um, he's standing there. I think that was purposely a little bit ambiguous a bit. But um, the fact that yeah, the brother and sister as far as we can tell, or have survived the events of the film, um, that's um, happy, but you're also sad about the circumstances by which they have achieved victory. Mm-hmm. Um, though you can't blame them. Like, obviously, right. they had to do that. But right. um, something truly wonderful has been lost in the process. And that's, uh, and I think he does a good job of, in, perhaps in an understated way, helping you feel the impact of that, where it's a movie made up almost entirely of victims in an interesting kind of way. Mm, yes, where that's true. everyone yep. is just kind of a just unfortunately they've mixed <laughs> like if they had stayed separate everyone would be okay everyone but, except the the director of photography who tries to steal the shot <laughs> that's I the get, one yeah. death where you're like ah yeah there uh, it is i yeah. want to see him die <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he's earned <Yeah>. it <laughs> and those weird uh, people in that commercial who are very rude to the horse 
I guess. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, Osgood Perkins. Including as <laughs> Perkins. Well, and they were rude to OJ, too. Yeah. Yes, so very rude heck? to OJ. Not he was just doing all. his job. Yeah. You didn't yeah. listen to him. You 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 uh, looked the horse in the eyes. It caused the kick. So We typically say final thoughts, right? Like, uh, what? nope, right? How do, how do we... Final thoughts. Would you recommend? Would you recommend? Absolutely. Or would you have qualifiers? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally found it accessible. Um, Jordan Peele, I think. I'm actually curious. This is the second movie in a row where he's had biblical themes in it. Now, everyone kind of does that. (laughs) Like Toby Hooper does it. So, but I'm not going to go say Toby Hooper is a Christian, but I'm curious what his engagement spiritually is. Uh, Maybe he was raised uh, spiritual. I'm not sure, but I'm curious about that. But his stuff is totally accessible. Um, and if you want to watch something scary, his stuff is, mm-hmm. has that if you're not constantly watching horror movies like Dan and I or whatever. So definitely recommended on that front. Uh, how about you, Dan? Oh I, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. I think it's a good, good uh, time at the theater specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a film that's definitely enhanced by experience. Um, I would definitely see it earlier if you can. Uh, I think as the time goes on, um, the audiences that go see it will be less um, teenagers who talk during the movie. Maybe. I mean, it is rated R, so that does uh, 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 sip some of them out of that. But yeah, early audiences that are on board for Jordan Peele experience uh, will definitely probably have the better reactions as an audience. But it does like everything looks better on the big screen. But in this specific case, uh, man, that creature at the end, that looks amazing on the big screen. Yes. So. Uh, for that reason, I think it's great. But also, like we didn't really talk about, but his use of sound for the entire movie is really wonderful. Yeah, like I like really great um, when he has no sound, when he draws back, when it's just people screaming, when it's just the sounds in the distance of something that vaguely sounds like crunching and, and, and pains of agony. Um, that all sounds great in a theater. So, and uh, obviously, people are going to start recommend. We're going to be trying to contrast it with Get Out or Us. I think it really stands on its own compared to those two films. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is very different from those two. In a yeah. good way. So well, and I think you're 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 going to appreciate the movie more if you go in knowing that you're that's not what you're going to get. You're he's not trying yeah. to make another us yeah. or another get out. Um, mm-hmm. now, I talked to people that just really did not enjoy it, and I think one of the reasons that they didn't was because they were expecting something else. So yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> this is definitely a movie that's going to get that your expectation is definitely going to paint your experience of it. One hundred percent. I mean, if it depends on which trailer you saw before that, the movie. That's also true. So. true. That's true. <laughs> but but if I might be so bold as to extend this episode, uh, oh, comparisons. No. <laughs> <laughs> but comparing, like, uh, how, nope, get out, uh, us, like, how do we like this filmography? His his style of filmmaking. Um, do we have like a preference for which one is better? Like, cause I can say right out the gate, I, I think Nope is my favorite out of them. Oh, and choice. although I think get out is a better made movie than us, I like us better than get out. Um, but I think Nope is going to be number one for me right now. He keeps topping himself as far as I'm concerned, but I have to think about it. I don't, uh, they're, th- they're, they're so, so different, man. Um, yeah. 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 The more I think about Nope, the more I like it. So I, I think I'll, yeah, I th- I think it'll be end- ended up being my number one here between his 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 many many films that he's made that make him the best <laughs> that make him the best at at horror. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would say there's mo- there's moments of this that are my favorite things that he's done. Um, uh, uh, the last the last like twenty to thirty minutes of the movie is so good. Um, but I think as an overall package, I think Get Out is still my favorite just because as a like 
it is just such a tight thriller. It's so good at it's what it is. It's an impressive movie. Um, I really like Get Out. But um, yeah, there's moments in this that really show what he can do um, as a director, as a storyteller. So I think this will be the one, potentially, I mean, this might be my worst prediction ever. But I think as his, as he continues to make films, um, some people might see this as the one where it really showed his, quote, potential uh, doing a bigger borderline blockbuster. It's definitely more Spielberg. Spielberg 80s kind of movie in a lot of ways so I definitely will see I can see this being the one where people see the glimpses of what he can do with uh, as he uh, gets more ambitious but yeah that's my feeling on it us is my least favorite of the three probably though do you still like us even though it's oh yeah yeah I like like us a lot actually I I think a lot of the criticisms of us are not to keep deviating but I think some of the criticisms of us are really bad faith like yeah, it doesn't make 100% logical sense, but I mean, come on. Like, I don't even know it's if it about makes 30, a whole, I don't like, know if it makes 30% it's, logical It's about sense. a whole like shadow, like mirror group of people that live underground in tunnels. Of course, it doesn't make complete sense. Yes. Like, yeah. I think if you're if you're going like, well, I, I want a scientific explanation for why all these like mirror people exist. Like, okay, I'm sorry. Then maybe horror as a genre just isn't for mm. you. But. I just think us is his <laughs> biggest stretch in even his own logic and nightmare logic. Uh, I still think it's, I like it more than get out, but when he's laying down the groundwork, it doesn't leave even the breathing room for the, for the breathing he's trying to make in that movie. It's really, it's really fascinating. It's, but. it's it, but like, again, like all three of his movies are so interesting. Like they're so, oh, yeah, they're, Especially when you compare cool. it to other things within their genre, like yes. Get Out is in in terms of scary house movies is very unique. Us in terms of like a family on the run from from like uh, you know another the strangers family on the run from yeah. another family <laughs> uh, is unique. And yeah. this is very unique. And the fact that like he deserves so many points for putting a new spin on UFOs that yeah. is itself a mm-hmm. really interesting like trick to pull off. Um, that is great. So, but anyway. I yeah, think. he's very, 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 very good. So I guess, I guess we all agree he's the best yeah. horror director. <laughs> Three <laughs> movies in a row. Who else can do it? <laughs> Who can do um, that? <laughs> Anthony, do you have a recommendation for us? Does it have to be horror? Is it a horror? Does it have to be horror? No, it can be Sorry, whatever. Melvin, did you, did you want to ask him for a recommendation, Melvin? I feel like I'm taking your job this no, week. No, you're doing great. This, okay. this lets me take, I get to lean back and relax. No, it can be whatever you want. Um, recommendations. You can even go second if you want, I, or or third, because I remembered what I was going to recommend anyway. So it works out. Or you record a recommendation, send it to us, and we can put it into a later episode. <laughs> I, I, I just saw, I just watched Hustle. Uh, my wife and I watched Hustle. Uh-huh. Um, oh, the a, new Adam Sandler. Yeah. The, I but mean, not comedy. It's like another serious one, right? Yeah. I, I, and I love when comedic actors uh, play dramatic roles. I think they, you know. Uh, yes, me too. They're the best. Uh, I think that's some of their better roles. Um, great Philadelphia story. Uh, a member of our church is in the movie. Uh, oh, what the heck? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. She's, a, she's an extra. So she's an extra uh, in the um, when he discovers uh, the, the other main character in the movie. Uh, she's an extra in the crowd. So it's not Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah. Is it's not. Church. No, it's not Queen <laughs> okay. Latifah. No, um, that may be because I just watched it. Uh, but I, it's a great story. Um, Adam Sandler's great in it. It's a they get some good shots of the city. Uh, you really enjoyable. Yeah, I've heard some really good things about that one. So I want to check it out. Uh, Dan, what do you have for us? I just got to say, Adam Sandler is so deceptively charming as an actor. It's a, yeah. I'm doing it more. Um, uh, so for my traditionally, I do two recommendations. Uh, I do a kind of Bible recommendation and I do a 
uh, more fun recommendation. So for my buying belief uh, recommendation, I'm going <laughs> to recommend something. Uh, I'm going to sound like an old man for a second, but I, there's a DVD um, uh, teaching series from RC Sproul called Foundations. It is a video overview of systematic theology. There are 60 chapters on this thing. Um, so maybe not, don't watch it all the way through, uh, unless you want a full systematic theology course, uh, but the individual sections. So like right now I'm doing, I'm preparing a sermon on the kingdom of God. Mm. And so I was just watching his section on the kingdom of God. It's great. R.C. Sproul is just an absolute Titan of the faith. Uh, however, you can find these all online, uh, at Ligonier's website, or you can actually just buy individual, uh, sessions to watch like his one on canonicity or his one where he talks about baptism. Um, but I was able to get the full DVD set online. Uh, I think about like Mercari or something where someone was just selling it because they got it from their church or something. But um, it's it's a great te- systematic theology as a thing can be so intimidating and it can be because it, it is a mm. huge endeavor right now. Uh, Joel Beek is writing a multi-volume systematic theology. Reach volume is the size of other systematic theology texts. <laughs> uh, but Foundations from R.C. Sproul, it's also a great companion piece to his book everyone's a theologian in my opinion yeah great book uh so yeah uh, excellent book. it's like one of the first books i think you should buy if you ever are looking to get deeper into theology so um foundations is a nice companion to that in a lot of ways so uh, can, that's can my, i can my i piggyback on that can i can i go, give yeah. two more oh please, please okay so um <laughs> i'm gonna i sound like a total dad here but <laughs> the animated there's a new there's a more recent animated version of pilgrim's progress the okay. a, the animated the animation yeah. is okay. The, I think the movie is r- a really good retelling of an excellent story, uh, cl- one of the best. So they did a live action one long long time ago that was terrible, and this was this was way <laughs> way better. Um, it was really edifying, very encouraging. Uh, yeah, if you get the ch- I, it was they were giving it away for free online. I don't know if they're still doing uh-huh. that and where you can find it, but it's very good. Um, and then the second one would be the first American gospel. I haven't seen the yeah. second one, so I can't recommend it. But the first American gospel, great for. We're actually going to be doing the second one. Yeah. Um, we have an episode on month. that. But we have, oh, cool. yeah, you can always tune back into our episode. I guess we did that in 2020. We did the first. Yeah. Um, the Pilgrim's Progress film is that the one that has uh, John Rice Davies in it? Hold on, hold on. I don't know. Um, Google time. Yeah, I have a friend that was like really like he was pumped about this coming out i think they might have had like a indiegogo or something where he's one of the backers or something he was really excited about yes movie, yes so. john reese yes he's in it he plays evangelist yeah okay yeah excellent. okay this you're the second person to recommend this to me so maybe i gotta watch it eventually yeah we watched but, it in the middle of the pandemic it was it was excellent i am going to recommend i talked about it and how i wanted to watch it at the time for miss marvel and course like the next day after i watched it so i can finally recommend it i checked out close up from abbas kirstami criterion collection uh spine number 519 uh close up isn't really a documentary but isn't really not a documentary but also isn't fiction but also is partially fiction it is a movie that is really hard to give as a genre but it is very easy to say it is a movie about movies. Um, and I think that works with Nope because I really like, I think I'm just fond of movies about movies that aren't about Hollywood. They're just about the concept of filmmaking and creation and kind of the unique stresses of it and the boundaries of it and what makes it hard and what makes it easy and what makes it beautiful, what makes it scary. 
And uh, close-up is just brilliant. Um, I almost would specifically recommend the Criterion Collection of it because it comes with a subsequent documentary, an actual documentary called Close-Up Longshot, which is about the primary character's life six years after the film. And it gives more credence to the concept of filmmaking and, and the risk in this. And yet the passion of it too, it really, it really is a display of the good and evil of content creation and filmmaking, but, and how it affects people who engage it, um, both in ways that I found deeply moving and frightening at the same time. The premise, of course, is, and I'll just actually read the back of this thing so, so it makes it a lot easier because it's actually hard to explain at times. Uh, it's uh, written, internationally revered Iranian filmmaker Abbas Kirstami has created some of the most inventive and transcendent cinema of the past 30 years, and Close-Up is his most radical, brilliant work. This fiction documentary hybrid uses a sensational real-life event, the arrest of a man on charges that he fraudulently impersonated the well-known filmmaker Mosan Makhmabov as the basis for a stunning multi-layered investigation into movies, identity, artistic creation, and existence in which the real people from the case play themselves. Uh, with his universal themes and fascinating narrative knots, Close-Up has resonated with viewers around the world. You can add me to that. There are about three times where I was moved to almost pausing the film because I was so emotionally affected by it. Um, and uh, there are basically these scenes where during the trial of him explaining why he impersonated the director, both in front of the judge and uh, in front of the victims of who he's, whose lives he's affected by impersonating this man, he explains his love for film, his love for why he impersonated the director and, and why he uh, was so seduced by this lie to, to, to commit further to it. It is brilliant, just brilliant. I keep talking about it. I keep thinking about it. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I can't, I cannot recommend it enough. So close up, uh, by Abbas Kiristami, you have got to check this movie out. It's very good. Uh, Dan, did you want to do your last one or did we want to, um, well, I was just thinking about, uh, aliens because of, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, this little movie we watched, uh, so I will just say, like, if you have not seen a lot of the films that Jordan Peele is inspired by, I would recommend watching those. But particularly, uh, I was thinking about 80 science fiction because between this and Thor Love and Thunder, um, there is a bit of and actually just keep going. Uh, Stranger Things There's all this like 80s nostalgia for people pining back for a good old fashioned um, filmmaking, stuff like that. So if you have not specifically seen uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, um, I recommend that you go back and watch that. It is uh, just a great uh, look at aliens. Like, I feel like there's something it's similar to Starman in that, like, there's this whole there was for a while, there's this genre of science fiction where aliens were neither the antagonist, uh, but also kind of not necessarily 100 percent virtuous. They were they were just aliens who were encountering Earth. And it was just more about the journey of, like, connecting with another creature from the planet and there's something so aspirational about it in a way where it's like the idea that this the universe is this big, expansive place full of endless possibilities. So there's a little bit more of optimism in that where I feel like a lot of recent uh, media that has aliens, uh, even Nope, is there's a pessimism to it where it's just kind of sad and dour. Uh, so I'm specifically recommending Close Encounters. 
Uh, but I also, if you have not seen something like Last Starfighter or something, go check those out. Or Laser Blast. It, yeah, the <laughs> 80s is not just Terminator and Predator and... And late uh, Star Wars movies. And Star Wars. It's much bigger than that. But, um, but yeah. Conversely, if I may counterpoint, I do not like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I think it is... <laughs> boring i agree with uh john carpenter i think it's pretentious and a little full of itself um but i also know i'm in the minority with that one so tweet at us what you think where you land on it because um, <laughs> do I you be love beloved science fiction classic or, or are you a <laughs> melvin frowny yeah, face that's the worst kind of film <laughs> yeah. i really I, it's I, no I halloween like, kills <laughs> said melvin <laughs> That's right. I wonder if Carpenter even liked that one. I think he likes the soundtrack for that one, but I don't think he likes the movie. And he he made Starman though. So I mean, me and Car- Carpy, we're in, we're we're cool. <laughs> you guys keep up with one another. Yeah, you guys go get dinner. Him, so I call him. Um, uh, oh, that's it. Man. That's we're done. That's the episode. Right? That's it. Well, that's the episode. Thanks for so much for coming on and making time. Yeah, man. Uh, Thanks for coming on, Ant. That was really cool. Yeah, that was um, fun, guys. I hope you had a good time. I did. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.